The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The people were filled with expectation, and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. After all the people had been baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. We celebrate this feast of the baptism of the Lord. The tabernacle candle in the church burns this week for the intentions of Francis Locker. The tabernacle candle in the Adoration Chapel burns this week in loving memory of Angela Bonnet. The Altar Society is holding its annual membership drive through February the 6th. Envelopes for joining may be found in the entrances of the church. I ask you to see the bulletin for full details about the options available for taking part in this active and joyful group that is so necessary in our parish. The annual Baby Bottle Campaign that benefits the, women, the Women's New Life Clinic is next weekend. Envelopes for the donations are available this weekend at the entrances to the church and can be placed in the regular collection basket. Checks should be made out to the Women's New Life Clinic itself rather than to St. Agnes. The illustrated liturgical calendar for uh, the season of Epiphany is available in the back of the church in the vestibule, as you, as you can look at that on your way out. The second collection today is for the building fund. And also, uh, we have this weekend with us, uh, on loan um, from Father Michael Champagne, uh, the Community of Jesus Crucified, a number of relics here in the front of the church. Uh, if you look to my right, to your left, uh, a number of relics there. Uh, they are uh, relics of saints, often of families, as uh, they're celebrating the year of the family over there uh, and celebrating this with, with these relics of these great family saints, the bone of John the Baptist, together with uh, his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, is the one there in the front. Uh, there is uh, at least one, one uh, splinter of the true cross of our blessed Lord. There's a part of the veil of our blessed mother on the, uh, the large one in the back, in the back piece, right next to the, the cross on the left. Uh, there is uh, relics of uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, the brothers, the pairs of brothers there, Benedict and Scholastica, and a whole bunch more. So I'd encourage you uh, after Mass to be able to stop by and to venerate uh, some of those wonderful saints, asking God's continued blessings upon you and upon your family through their intercession. As we listen to the words from the St. Luke, it says the people were filled with expectation and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. Imagine your life being such that people think you are the Messiah. It's a striking thing, huh? It would have been easy for John to, to kind of take a little bit of the credit, not, to, not necessarily to say, yeah, I'm him, because uh, that would have been, uh, you know, entirely uh, false, but rather to be able to say, I'm, I'm not him, but I'm pretty close, right? Huh? To be able to, 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 to take some of the glory for himself would have been an easy thing. 
People were wondering this. People, again, they were, they were all flocking to him, following him, going out to the desert to be baptized specifically by him. It would have been easy for him to fall to the trap of, uh, of that exaltation of self, to be able to call people to himself. But he is a forerunner, appointed them to our blessed Lord. But it's instructive to us that the people's expectation was simply that John when, and what John was doing, what John was living, that he was the Christ, that he was the Savior of the world. It's instructive to us that their expectations were at that level. He was a man born of woman, as any other. He was simply an ordinary man, although rather extraordinary in some of the graces that, that he lived, being, being sinless through his life, um, and not you know, having original sin, of course, but being sinless elsewise of being able to, to go and do these heroic things, you know, the fasting and the prayer out in the desert. But again, their expectations were rather low and earthly. They're just looking for someone to come and to, to restore the people, to, to give renewal to Israel, basically to, to kind of to make things like they were back in the good old days. This was their hope. This was their expectation. Just to kind of go back to uh, imagine the, uh, the best time of Israel's life and to make it like that again. This was their hope in so many ways. But the hope that is within these people's hearts is exceeded far and above by the generosity of God. They were expecting a man simply to come and to restore order, to be able to restore Israel to its glory in an earthly sense. What they get is not just an ordinary man, but the Word made flesh, the Son of God in flesh, born of a virgin one who came among us and experienced all things like us but sin, even though he experienced the consequences of sin greater than any one of us who ever commit them. They got not just an earthly restoration, but an invitation to heaven, a heavenly feast. Not just an earthly salvation where things will be better for us here and now, but the story and the message of salvation that you can be saved from this world too and enter into something far greater. Their expectations were strikingly low in comparison to what God desires to give. Our blessed Lord came among us. He took on our flesh. And again, as I've said several times in recent, recent homilies, that Archbishop Sheen reminds us that our Lord is the only person who was ever born in this world simply for the purpose to die, namely to ransom us. All the rest of us are born here so as we might have life. And in a similar way, just as every person in history who has gone to receive baptism, whether the baptism of John with a simple repentance, uh, a desire for repentance, an expression of repentance, but not an actual effective cleansing from sins, or the baptism that Jesus gives to us through the church, which actually does cleanse us from our sins, every single person in history receives baptism and is changed by it. Our Lord changed the water. The fathers of the church teach this so beautifully that our Lord had no need of baptism. Rather, he was baptized for us, partly to set an example so as to take away from us every excuse because if Jesus was baptized, why shouldn't we be? If Jesus submitted to it, it's even more important for us. But more for us is the fact that whenever our Lord was baptized, when he was immersed in the water by St. John, who himself knew of his unworthiness, it was the water that was transformed. It was the water that was changed. 
is the water that at that point becomes the first sacramental, a thing consecrated by God to be able to open us and to dispose us to grace. It becomes a thing of power so as to touch and to transform those who experience it. Water then is given the ability to give life, not just in the short term, but in the long term. By water, we are saved, but not simply by water itself, but by the life of Jesus Christ that is given to us by its washing. In expectation of baptism, it would be easy enough for us simply to expect and to ask, you know, to be cleansed from our sins. This already is a, a very generous ask that we make of our blessed Lord, something that's, that's far, far and above, uh, you know, our own, our own merits. As we hear in our, our second reading today, it was not by our own merits that our Lord came down. It's not because he saw that we were so good and he said, you know what, they really deserve this. It was on account of our sins and to know that there was no other way out for us other than for him to come down to save us. And he does this. For no merit of ours, he comes to free us from our sins and to give us that wonderful cleansing of holy baptism. But above and beyond this, there is more. Baptism does indeed cleanse us from sin, but it makes us also adopted children of God our Father. It makes us able to be able to, to hear the words that our blessed Lord heard and to appropriate them to ourselves. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. These are the words that we desire to hear most in the end. As our blessed Lord, he gives to us through the church today, the collect of mass, praying that, that in the end, all of us will be able to, to be well pleasing to our Lord at all times, but particularly at the moment of our death, how blessed to be able to hear my beloved son, my beloved daughter, rather than those terrible words, I don't know who you are. In baptism, we are made children of God. He is able to know us and us to know him. For us to be able to experience his life, to experience his goodness, to be able to come and to dwell in his house as we are able to do here and now to have communion with him, with his son, and with his Holy Spirit given to us. These are tremendous gifts given, to the Father, given by the Father to us, things that far exceed our expectations as well, had we been, had them from the first and not been able to simply look to the catechism to see the fruits of baptism, the effects of baptism. These are tremendous gifts given to us. To this also, we recognize the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that just as the Holy Spirit descended upon our Lord in physical form, so as the people might be able to recognize the Spirit of God coming down upon him, the Holy Spirit comes to us in our own baptism, invisibly, and fills us as well. It's the most marvelous thing that we ourselves are able to have within our own spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. His Spirit lives in us because of baptism. His Spirit is able to do things in us, to be alive and at work within us, and to produce within us holiness and His virtues, things that we ourselves would not otherwise be able to muster the strength to do. But the Holy Spirit with us does these things. He comes and makes His home, His dwelling with us. And also, that in, about, in virtue of our baptism, we are made members of the body of Christ itself. We become part of the body of Christ in the church in particular. 
And here, too, is a great consolation. In so many ways, it would be uh, a temptation. It is a temptation. It's the reality of sin. Sin necessarily turns us in upon ourselves. It is a temptation if we give ourselves over to sin in this world that we turn into ourselves individually. We each become islands. But to the extent that we allow Christ to wash us and, and free us from our sins and to strengthen us with his grace, we turn out becoming members of this wonderful and tremendous body of Christ rather than individuals just trying to make it alone by ourselves. As a church, we're able to find strength in one another, to rely upon one another, to know that in difficult times, there's someone out there praying for us. This is one of the most consoling things that I, that I find myself. There's a, a monastery in Brooklyn, uh, the Monastery of the Precious Blood, that on the, on the altar itself, on, the, on, on the, the altar in the sanctuary, there's a picture of the globe, and they have the, the time zones drawn on it. I was like, that's kind of a, a strange thing to, uh, to include at the center point of the sanctuary. <laughs> Why would you have the time zones of the church, or the time zones of the world? And what it is, is under it, they have the times for the day uh, locally. And so the simple fact is, when people would gather in the church, they could know that morning mass is being offered somewhere in the world at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever the time it would be, and they could look and they could pray, if it was this time here, they could pray that many hours ahead and, and pray in union with the, with the, the Mass is happening in China. The Mass is happening in India. The Mass is happening in South America. The Mass is happening on the West Coast. The Mass is happening all throughout the world. As it was taking place in that moment, other Christians praying united themselves to Jesus Christ at the Holy Altar. And it was this beautiful expression in a, very, uh, in a very simple way of being able to say that we are not just members by ourselves, and even we're not just a church locally. We're part of something much, much greater. The body of Christ extended all throughout the world, praying at every single moment of the day, every single moment. At every minute, Mass is being offered somewhere, the blood, the blood of Jesus being poured out somewhere. And for us, listening to the, the Eucharistic prayers of the church, all of them, they pray for us. We're praying for us here and now. We're praying for our brothers and sisters around the world. And in God's good time, as they offer Mass, they pray for us. A tremendous gift that is given. Grace continually poured out as millions upon millions are praying for one another. Even though we don't know each other's names, and maybe the ones we bring in our heart, we certainly do be such a member of the body, rather than just individuals in, in, a, in, our own, in our own little space, in our own little local community, God has made us something much, much greater. And it's only a foretaste. It's only a foretaste of that which is to come. Indeed, the expectations of the people when they were expecting the Messiah and thought it was John were far, far too low. And the expectations that we ourselves have, even here and now, knowing all the goodness that God has done for us, all, all that, he has, that he has already bestowed upon us and taught us, there is still something far greater that he expects and anticipates doing. And it's we who just need to open our hearts to him to be able to look forward to that blessed day, the day of the fulfillment of our hope, the coming of our great Savior, Jesus Christ.